Welcome to Leaders Lift, the podcast for those of you looking to get more out of life through personal or professional development, or just trying to figure out how to deal with life. I'm your host, Greg Cunningham. Thank you for joining me for the second episode of 2024. Now, I almost said first episode because last week's episode was actually recorded in December. So this is the first one I'm recording this year. And thank you for joining me at the start of this brand new year. Now, in the last four episodes, they were designed to be a series of tips and techniques to help you with your end of year assessment and planning exercises, end of year or whenever, actually. I'll kick off this episode with a quick recap so you can catch up, but you really should go back through those episodes. And then for this week's main topic, I want to talk about how I'm approaching my minimum viable plan. You have to listen to the episode to understand that a little better for 2024, at least at a high level. I hadn't planned on going through this when I started the series, but as I went through this process for myself, I thought it might be useful to just give you a few examples and some things I learned as I went through the process again. So if that's not what you want to hear, that's fine. But if you think that will help you with your own planning, then stick around. Now, before I dive in, don't forget to do all the things. Check out the show notes, uh, subscribe, share, follow, rate the podcast. It really helps other people find it. I actually want to do something I haven't done quite a while, and that's give you a, a recommendation. So this last week, I listened to a podcast. I listen to it almost every week. It's called Hello Monday. It's from LinkedIn, and it's by Jesse Hempel. And this week's episode I thought was really good because it was an exercise she takes you through on writing your dream, dream job description. I did a slightly modified, mostly followed her instructions, just a little bit modified version, but it really helped me in how I'm going to think about the next steps in my career. And that also helps influence this year's planning process. So give that podcast a a listen. It's called Hello Monday. And again, this was the episode last week. So the first week of January. Now let's start off with just a quick recap of things to think about when you build your minimum viable plan for this year or any time period. Now, first, in the first episode of this series, I talked about comparisons, and here's the high-level bullet points. Comparing anything to anything comes almost as easily as breathing. We just kind of do it naturally. Now, comparing ourselves to anyone else, that's a big no-no. We just need to not do it. It's just not going to end well. Social media comparisons, they can cause huge issues, even worse than comparing yourself to someone else, because actually that's what you're doing, comparing your life to whoever's giving you the information on social media. And then when comparing ourselves to ourselves, we need to be deliberate and only do good comparisons. There are some comparisons that just aren't valuable. And if you want to get more on that, again, go back and listen to the episode. So the the key message here with this one is that avoiding or being deliberate about the comparisons you make, it's a good way to improve the quality of our end-of-year assessments in particular and to help us with our planning for the next year. Now, the second episode was Agile and Minimum Viable Plan. So uh, what is a minimum viable plan? It's the minimum plan that will help you get where you want to go. Now, what does that mean? That means we can't build a plan that's so rigid that if I don't follow it letter to letter, that I'm going to give up or it's going to become too difficult or things are just going to fall apart. Got to build in flexibility into this minimum viable plan. And that there are small and simple things that are probably going to make the biggest difference. And we want to bake those into the beginning of the plan so that we can build some momentum early. We get some early wins. And then on top of those early wins, you also want to identify opportunities that will help you know if you're on the right path or not, or if you need to course correct. So, you know, start with those small things that are going to help you know if you're on the right path, but then know that you can course correct very, very quickly. So it's almost like 
succeed quickly so you build momentum or fail quickly so that you know that you can course correct. Now, part three of the series, that was about the difference between false progress and meaningful progress. Being busy and making progress are not necessarily the same thing. Instead of just getting caught up in being busy and making whatever we think is progress, that false progress, we have to learn to prioritize and plan for the most important things. Our minimum viable plan has to have the most important things. It's also going to have the things that just need to get done that may not be the most important things, like maybe doing your chores or something like that. And then our plan also needs to, com- to include the ways that we're going to avoid just being busy, you know, doing those things that make us feel like we're making progress when we're really not. All of that needs to be included in our plan. And then last week, I talked about letting go and saying no. And in order to focus on the things that matter most, we're going to have to say no to other things, even good or really good things. We may have to say no to some of those. Saying no is one way to make significant progress on the path to our most potential and to avoid false progress. Say no, don't give in to those things. Now, leaders and those they lead can benefit from the leader saying no to things and delegating. We talked about that quite extensively. You can go back to the episode for more on that. But overall, the benefits that we will all get if we learn to say no and let go of things is that we'll see less stress and less regret because we'll be focused on the things that really matter the most. Okay, so there's my recap. Again, if you want more detail on that, go back through, listen to those episodes in detail. So today, let's talk about my MVP or at least some parts of it for this year. I'm going to talk mostly about the plan itself. I may touch a little bit on those other aspects like progress and tracking your progress and letting go and um, the whole concept of comparisons. I may touch on those a little bit. I think you'll see how they weave in here. But I want to talk through this process that I went through to build my plan. My goal is to show you what my end product, at least part of what my end product looks like for this year. And maybe that will help you do yours. Now, I've made the mistake many times in the past where I tried to make a plan so detailed that it would definitely not be considered an MVP in any sense of the word. I even did some of that when I took some time around Thanksgiving to do a strategic routine and think about some of these things. I put in a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I have a bunch of ideas and plans and things to think about, but it was more than I really wanted to have in my MVP. It was really too much. I'll go back to all of that stuff as references and pull things in when I'm tackling some of those different items. But again, it was just too much information. And so I needed something simpler to be able to work off of. So I started by identifying several themes I wanted to have from the year. You can call them categories, themes, focus items, areas of focus, whatever you want to. And I had too many to start with. And I ended up whittling it down a bit. To me, these themes are kind of like the ultimate MVP starting point. These are the things that my MVP will get me to. Um, They're almost like categories that I want to achieve something in. And I narrowed it down to the following four themes. I started out with way more, but I got it down to four. So number one, I'm not going to give you a ton of specifics on because this is my who am I theme. And it very much has an underlying religious focus. But suffice it to say that this is about me becoming more of the person I want to be. Things like being more patient or not getting distracted. Those are the kinds of things that will fall into this first category. Now, the second category is action. It's just that one word. And it's a little bit interesting because what I found over the last few years is that I've lost some of my ability to discern when I need to take immediate action versus when I need to wait on something. 
or sit back and, and not dive right in. And I talked about that in one of my previous episodes. So that's number two, learn when to take action or relearn that skill that I, I believe I had, which was knowing when to be proactive and dive right into something versus when I should wait. Number three, and this is the one that I'm going to use uh, for my example as I go through this, is rebuilding my capacity. Another thing I've noticed over the last while, I'm not really sure how long it's been happening. It's hard to kind of pinpoint a moment, but it's that I've lost some of my capacity to go at full speed or full strength for long periods of time. And I talked about this in a series when I talked about thriving and surviving and how we all can't expect to go all out all the time. And I still believe that. Um, but I think I've lost some of that capacity to go fast for longer periods of time. And I want to rebuild that. Now, for anybody that knows me, starts talking about me aging, I know I'm getting older and that needs to be taken into consideration. But I want to move from survive to thrive. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to have some additional capacity. I'm going to have to be able to do more things or work harder, smarter too. But this is about that capacity. And I've mentioned on the show how tough 2023 was, both professionally and personally for me. So I really do want to start moving down that that scale to the thrive side of things and away from survive. And to do that, I need to get back in thrive shape. Now, the fourth one, and this one ties into number three and my capacity, is that I want to go back to dreaming and dreaming big. I don't want to settle. Again, I want to move from survive down to the thrive end of the spectrum. So those are my four. I've got the personal, who am I? I've got action, rebuilding capacity, and dreaming big. So those are my four themes for this year, and that's where I start with my MVP. Now, as I go into this next part, it's a good time to mention that I didn't set my themes, then build the plan, and move forward in kind of a linear fashion. It was way more back and forth than that. I had more than just those four themes, like I mentioned earlier. And as I started building the next level of planning, trying to put together my MVP, I combined some, I changed others, and eliminated some completely. So don't think of this as a linear thing. This is kind of an iterative back and forth process to help you get to where you want to go. So those four themes became the goals of my MVP, those categories. After that, I started doing all the things you would normally do for a plan. I started identifying all the things I could do to make progress in those areas. And yes, I have way too many still listed. But for me, that's okay because this is not a project plan. And I'm not sticking dates yet on any of these things, nor do I believe that I'll come close to doing all of them. It's more of my list of possibilities. And I've already told myself that it's okay if the list changes regularly. That's the flexibility part of an MVP. Now, that doesn't mean I don't know where I'm going to start, and it doesn't mean I don't know the things that I need to focus on first. I do. But now I have this bigger list of things that I can go back and start including as I go through the year. And one of the things I found myself doing kind of subconsciously, and, and you should be more deliberate in doing this if you can't do it subconsciously, if you haven't done it before. But I started to identify those small things and quite a few of the small things in each category that I could do to build momentum. Remember, I said that in your plan, you want to know, you want to know early, you want to build that momentum. So you want to have some small wins early to build the momentum. And you want to also have some things that'll tell you if you're on the right path or not. And I kind of subconsciously started to bake those into this plan, especially those things that, will, that are the low-hanging fruit or the small wins that are going to help me to build some momentum. And let me give you some example here. In my rebuild capacity category, I've identified some habits that I've picked up 
that I hope will, if I change, that that will help me build some momentum and get some early wins. Not big giant things. I don't have to make, you know, flip a switch, but just make progress in these areas that will help me start build momentum in this capacity category. We all have the same amount of time. And for me, when I find myself getting mentally worn out, I have a few default activities that have become habits. One is YouTube, another is reading, and a third is my Nintendo Switch. Now, there were a lot of days, especially over this last year, where I just felt like I couldn't focus another minute. Mentally, I didn't have anything left. And YouTube and gaming are great activities where I really don't have to think much. I don't play the kind of games that require a lot of concentration. I'm much more of a casual gamer, but I can definitely get lost even in those casual games. So with that background, what do you think some of the early small victories I could get to start making progress and build momentum towards rebuilding my capacity? For me, one of the first things I'm, I've already done was set a screen time limit for YouTube. If you don't know what screen time is, it's a feature that Apple has where you can set a total amount of time you want to spend any given day in a particular app or even a category of apps. So for me, that was YouTube. And what happens is when I hit that amount of time, it pops up a message, tells me I've hit that, and then it actually disables the YouTube app. Now, I can override it, but I generally don't. But the biggest thing is, is that it's a reminder to me that I've spent a lot of time in YouTube. This way, I won't actually go down rabbit holes on RV videos on YouTube and spend hours watching videos and realize, oh, I've just spent hours watching videos. It'll catch it much, much, much sooner than that. So, but the biggest thing about that is it's this mental shift because since I turned that on, I haven't actually hit that time limit once. And it's been a couple of weeks since I've done that. So just turning that feature on and knowing that I have it turned on has already helped me cut back on the YouTube. Now, my second one is gonna be to limit my gaming. This one's a little harder to track because the Nintendo Switch doesn't have that. But one way I'll do this is to limit myself to something like one game a day on weekdays. I'm not talking about a whole multi-hour game like solve all of Zelda or something like that. But I'm talking about the few minutes or so that it takes me to play a game of basketball or baseball, something like that. Those are the kind of games that, that I read. So that's a mental shift that I've had to do that says, okay, you're not going to sit and play the switch for an hour, you're just going to play one game and then you're going to go back to something else that's more productive. The third one here is about my reading habits. I read a lot. I didn't count how many books I read last year, but it's going to be well over 100 and it could be significantly over 100. But most of that was rereading what I would call entertainment books. That means it wasn't something like a business or leadership book or something that had a lot of educational value. And a lot of them were books that I've read at least once before. Now, at one point, I realized that there were several books from one of my favorite fun entertainment authors that I hadn't read. The problem was it was difficult to dive in and read those books because reading a new book actually requires a lot more concentration for me. I can't skip parts that I already know or that weren't relevant. That actually was a sign to me that something was off because normally I can read a new book almost as quickly and with comparable effort to one that I've read before. So new book, one I've read five times, same amount of pages, it's gonna take me the same amount of time to read them. But that wasn't happening. I actually really struggled getting into these new books. So that was a sign that told me that maybe I felt like I was doing something worthwhile, false progress from a reading standpoint. On that, my goal now is to find a better balance between new and old books, those that are for entertainment versus those that have a lot of learning or educational value to them. So 
that's my goal. I should be able to track that one. I can see in my apps how much time I spend in each of the apps. I can see on my devices how much time I spend in each of the apps in those book reading apps that I have, like Kindle, for example. So, and I should be able to see books that I read. All of this rolls into the larger goal or plan item here, and that is that more of my time will be spent on more meaningful tasks that will help me move towards thriving versus surviving. That includes personal and professional progress. If I can make the changes to these habits, that's going to free up time. And there's this mental shift that happens. Reading is a really good example of how we can mix up faults and meaningful progress. I just mentioned that earlier. But if I tell someone that I read over 100 books last year, they might be impressed. But it gets much less impressive if I read the same five books, entertainment books, 20 times. It wasn't that bad, my ratio, but you know it could be. Instead of reading new books that expanded my horizons or had educational value. So while 100 books sounds like progress, it's just not that simple. Ultimately, these changes, all of which are at different early stage points, the different levels of progress so far already, they will help me improve my capacity to spend more time on the truly productive work or the things that matter most. Eventually, I'll add on more tasks. I'm toying with the idea of doing more time tracking than I do today. That would help me understand better how much time I'm spending on this podcast versus gadgets for families versus my consulting business versus strategy versus admin work. I've not committed to this one because I need to figure out a way to do it so that I don't give up on the first try. I've tried detailed time tracking before, and as soon as I forget to track hours of work, I give up. But that's an example of something that might be a step two. But those three items hopefully will not allow me to have that out that I had before to say, I'm just too tired, I'm going to go do something mindless, but will actually help me refocus back in. And it's just mental awareness. I have these goals. These are the things I'm trying to change to achieve my goals. Sometimes that's all I need. And if you look closely, these three items are also good examples of tracking progress. For both YouTube and reading, I should be able to see on my devices how much time I spend in each app on a weekly basis. Since I read almost exclusively digital, should give me a good idea. I may need to do some additional tracking or put down in my journal when I finish a book or something like that, but I should be able to track those items. But ultimately, I'll know if what I'm doing is working if in three months I find myself being able to work at full speed for longer periods of time and make more progress on the things that truly matter. If I find myself you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon saying, oh, I'm really mentally out of it, I'll just go play a game, but saying, no, 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 you've got this other thing you could be working on, and I go do it, then I'll know that I'm making progress. And if it's really effective, I may find myself in a few months not really touching YouTube or gaming for long periods of time because I'm so engaged and focused on the other things that matter most. Now, while those are more subjective measures, that's what I'm looking for in my MVP for next year. Now, I could probably go on and maybe I'll do an update later in the year on how things are going. But what I really wanted to help you with today is to understand how I got to my goals and that initial part of the MVP, those small things. And in this case, I gave you the three examples of reading habits, gaming habits, and YouTube habits. How, what my MVP is sort of looks like for this year and the kinds of key things that I'm including in my plan. You should be able to see throughout this episode, and I, I realized as I recorded it, some of it's not as cohesive as I'd like, but you should be able to see that I tried to do the good kind of self-comparisons. I compared my previous capacity to work at full speed to my current, not punishing myself. I'm just saying, hey, here's where it is. I'm lower, right? So I did a good comparison there. 
I have a very flexible plan that has early wins so I can build momentum, but it has enough detail that I'm not just going with the flow. I'm not just saying, oh, I'm gonna try and work more hours. That wouldn't have done me any good. I've identified things that I believe are meaningful progress for me versus those that just give me a false sense of progress, like reading tons of books. And I've also identified some areas where I need to say no, YouTube, gaming, and some of my reading. So I've covered all four of those things, and I think I at least have the framework for my MVP. I at least can get started and start getting some of these early wins. Now, so there's some other pieces that I need to act on so that I can see whether I need to course correct, tiny, or even maybe some large course corrections, but those I'm not gonna go into today. What I'd like you to do is to think about how this might apply in your life. Do you have those major areas you wanna make progress in, those themes or those categories? Do you know what you need to do to get there? And then which small wins you wanna start going after first? Do you know where you do or might need to say no to things and where you wanna make meaningful progress or what that meaningful progress might look like for you? If yes, great. If not, I hope this episode helps you do that. And here's my offer, reach out to me. You can use the feedback form or the contact email on the website. I'd be happy to try and help you get something put together that you can work off of, get those themes down and maybe some small win items that you wanna start working on to build some momentum. That's the key. If you don't have your full MVP in place right now, that's all right. Remember one of the core principles of Agile was to start going, get working, small wins, build some momentum, learn quickly whether you're on the right track or not, and then iterate as you go along. And that's what I plan to do. I have tons of detail and tons of information available to me. I just need to decide which ones make sense as I start to make progress or decide that I need to course correct as I go along the way. So I hope that's helpful to you. Now, don't forget to do all the things, the subscribes, the shares. Don't forget to check out last week's episode of Hello Monday. That dream job description was a really great exercise for me to go through, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate having that on there. So give that a listen if that's something you're interested in doing. Until next week, go out there and start off the year by helping yourself or help someone else lift off their year on the right foot. Have a good one.